0: Welcome to Christians in the Public Square with your hosts, Cole Bennett and Scott Self. Hey, buddy. Good afternoon,
1: Scott Self.
0: Um, How are you today? I'm glad to talk to you. I'm good. We're in different towns and different... uh, We're even in different time zones now. (laughs) And that's not temporary, that's forever.
1: I, I want the listeners to know that I'm not happy about the logistics of our podcast in the sense that I don't get to be in the same room with you very much anymore. Well,
0: and the other thing that listeners are gonna, probably going to discover is um, a lot of our conversation will be happening on the podcast as opposed to conversations we have in your office and then go to do it at rec- a recording.
1: <laughs> yes. One sentence that will not be said much anymore is, we should talk about this great conversation on our podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because we'll have a lot fewer opportunities, and that makes me sad. But yeah, oh well.
0: But I think too that um, I mean I'm I'm kind of excited. I, it seems to me that we've always had a natural conversation on the podcast. It's always been kind of a natural thing. I mean, I I, I would like to confess that it's an edited podcast, but we do, uh, you know, we don't have to perform our friendship per se. But uh, but I do think that there'll be a an extra layer of um, I think enjoyment for the listener that this is, you know, the main time we're talking with each other each, each time we record. Um, Okay. So when I floated, when I pitched the idea for this episode, I suggested to you that I feel like you've been beat up a lot uh, over the past (laughs) couple of episodes that may or may not be true, but uh, I do feel like you might have been uh, beat up a little bit. And so I would, like to kind of unpack our conversations with Bobby Ross and with Cheryl Bacon um and think about the media think about the relationship of um maybe citizens to the media and then Christian citizens to the media but but before we do Cole let's rehearse our three tenets which are
1: which are number 1 sacred cows make delicious barbecue
0: yes and I'm in Tennessee now, and so it turns out barbecue is a different thing, but uh, sacred cow. Dude,
1: you're in the land of barbecue. Yes. Yeah,
0: here they here they barbecue sacred pig, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and they do it on the daily. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Number two, let your flag fly proudly.
1: We will vigorously defend our position.
0: Absolutely. And number three, bros before politicos. We're brothers first in everything else. We just figure out um, and yell at each other about.
1: That's right. Absolutely true.
0: So um, one of the dynamics that I think I observed in the last two episodes was um, a difference in conversation between some of your criticism and maybe even a a defense of media and a defense of objective reporting that um, I wondered if – uh, the answers were not talking past you, instead of to you. Uh, and I'll start by saying I I actually disagree that there's a liberal bias in the media. So um, uh, I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm 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 interested in having this argument with you. But I think some of the defenses of objectivism or obje- objective reporting or of reporting facts were sliding past your. Concerns and not directly to your concerns. Does that it, does that sound like I just came out of left field?
1: Well, I thought both guests um, and and let's just you said their names. Let's remind people who they were.
0: It was Bobby so, Ross, who's the editor in chief of the Christian Chronicle, and um, and Cheryl Bacon, who's a, a professor emerita at uh, of journalism.
1: Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, first of all, anytime I got I get beat up on this podcast, I feel like I probably have it coming. <laughs>
0: Um, You do have it coming. My
1: my rhetoric can be pointed because I'm passionate, not because I'm mean. But yeah, I I think I can, I deserve to be beat up a few, a time or two, but uh, maybe explain a little bit what you mean with a few more sentences.
0: Okay. Well, um, so uh, in, in both instances, there seem to be a belief that runs in journalism that there is such a thing as objective journalism or... You know, at least on a continuum, that it slides more toward objectivity. Um, and you know, I see uh, on CNN, for example, in the last three years, they have run a series of advertisements on their um, on their channel that say things like, "This is an apple. It doesn't matter how which direction you look at it; it's still an apple." And it seems to me a defense that um, media is putting against news media is putting against the accusation that media is biased or has a left bias or is biased against a particular politician. And that um, CNN's series of commercials are really designed to defend journalism, journalism as objective, journalism as reporting facts. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, I get where that's coming from. I think that there is a lot of criticism of facts going on and there are uh, people who have coined absurd phrases like alternative facts, um, which in those contexts, in, or at least in the original context, means telling a lie instead of a truth and trying to pass it off as a truth. Um, mm-hmm. that the context of that was that the president's inauguration had more people at it than anyone else ever it was the largest most attended ever in the history of the country period and right. when that was when that was waged against and the facts were provided then um one of uh, the president's pundits said well we didn't get a chance to present our alternative facts which j- just means we didn't get a chance to lie and convince people so i I get so I get where like you know when you're reporting the number of people who showed up at a particular event there are such things as facts there are such things as apples and it doesn't matter which direction you look at them they're still apples they're still facts they're still numbers but um but I hear you offering a suggestion that we maybe think about why we're talking about that particular number, that presenting a fact is, in fact, a point of rhetoric, a point of argument, and illustrates a point of view. And I've heard you say before, even that the sports scores are reported in the newspaper is an argument at some level that either this should be important to you or that this is important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So... That's kind of where, I, I don't know if I...
1: No, that's good. So here, here's where I think, uh, here is a shape of our discussion that I would suggest we f- pursue. I would like to make the argument, and I'm glad that you said at the outset, you do not believe that media is uh, biased toward the left. Is that what you said? That's right. Okay. I'm going to make an argument that it is. And so I will use my discussion of that to enter into this discussion that you've outlined. And I, let me let me go a little bit because I've got a lot to say about Great. it and, um, and you okay, and you can respond. In, without getting too much into rhetorical theory because this isn't much into it, people talk about there's the text and the context and the subtext. So when you say um, 500 people attended this football game, well, that's true. That, that can be either counted and affirmed or counted and denied, and we have photographic evidence, we have ticket sales, we have all the things that we need to count how many people were at the football game. Um, then you can start getting into, um, as you said, if that fact appears in the newspaper, what does it say to the newspaper reader? But that someone who controls what gets put in the newspaper finds that um, important enough to list. And, well, if it's in the newspaper, it's got to be important. Not only does it have to be true, but it has to be important, or else they wouldn't be reporting it. And I I think readers are at different levels of critical ability when they read a newspaper. When I was in junior high, I found newspapers kind of fascinating. I would read the comics. And, you know, I would read some comics that I didn't understand, like Mary Worth. (laughs) I mean, who knows what Mary Worth was about? Was that one of those soap opera Uh, comics? I think it was. I think it was. And there was the one called Henry that never had any words. (laughs) And there were all these, you know, they'll do it every time. And here I was reading as a seventh grader thinking, okay, I don't understand half of these, but they must be funny because they're on the cartoon page of this newspaper. So I will try to make sure that they're funny. Okay, so you can also get into my aforementioned example. Uh, There were 500 people at the game. Well, what does it mean to be at the game? What if you left at halftime? What if you bought a ticket and didn't come? Is that still counted? So it's not always as cut and dried as how many tickets were sold and how many did I count at a certain time? And so in rhetoric studies, we try to say there's such a thing as text and there's such a thing as a statement, but the the context and the subtext mitigate against objective meaning. So I'm going to put that over here on this burner and let it simmer as we talk about some things. Since we have recorded those two podcasts that you mentioned A couple of things have happened that I think fall squarely into my fodder for my side of the argument. I am certain that if Cheryl Bacon were here and if Bobby Ross were here, they would have things to say about it. But just let me go for a second. If I were to say to a room full of 100 people, um, I suggest you take out a pen for this information. Whether or not a person took out a pen, 100% of those 100 people would understand what I mean if they speak English to understand that. What I mean when I say, I suggest you take out a pen. I feel like entering into a syllogism and saying, don't you agree, Scott? Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Do you mean that, that,
0: <laughs> that we're inferring uh, a, a, figurative, a figurative interpretation, not a direct interpretation.
1: Oh, no. Even if I said, um, hey, I'm about to give you uh, give you some important numbers while you're here. Maybe they're visiting. Maybe some scenario where I'm talking to 100 visitors and I say, hey, I'm going to give you some important information. I suggest you take out a pen means you probably can't remember it offhand. And these are important enough to take out a pen. So this isn't a trick or trap. I'm just saying when I say I suggest you take out a pen, I think everyone knows what that means and they can do it or not
0: right but they're interpreting they're the, inferring a meaning the inferring the inferred yes, meaning is this inferring. is important right. okay go ahead
1: that's right that's right and it also it also generates perhaps me taking out a writing implement so um and I, and I'll say to my to our listeners now all six of them that um i when i talk about bias i don't want to suggest That bias is always um, invalidating.
0: Right. If Right.
1: If you know that I am biased towards libertarian ideals, you can still examine the libertarian ideals that I talk about and decide whether you agree with them or not, even though you know I'm biased. My bias doesn't negate them necessarily. And so... I'm going to talk about bias, and I'm going to talk about President Trump, uh, what happened, a couple things this very week. And I, I, I'm, I don't often enjoy being in a position to defend Trump, and I'm really not. I'm just talking about rhetoric. And so I am biased, but I want you to think about what I'm saying beyond my bias. Okay?
0: Okay, and just for the listener's sake, because this will post at a different time, uh, it's May 1st today. So it's the week of May 1st? Yeah,
1: today is, that's right, it's May Day. And it was, it was, today's a Friday. Right. So these events happened. Okay. Um, last week, from everything I have gathered uh, since the fact, President Trump had a conversation on the phone with someone where a whole lot of things were talked about. And then for some reason, which I think can amount to, Donald Trump is um, a verbal processor who's not very. Uh, good at press conferences, he decided to verbally process on live television what he had talked about privately on the phone with someone regarding various ways to kill the coronavirus. And um, he talked about light, and he talked about disinfectants, and he asked a doctor on television whether uh, she thought that was possible in the future, uh, whether he whether this was something that might be a treatment later, and it was not a very smart thing for him to do. Many times I think we can all agree that when Donald Trump gets in front of a microphone, uh, he engages in verbal processing that's not very smart, at least for a political career. It might be something that he verbally processes in a private setting, but he shouldn't probably do it on TV live. So he was asking this doctor questions that, uh, about a conversation he had had in front of cameras in the media. At, at no point, and I've listened to the video, I have watched the video many times, at no point did he say this is the way forward and this is what we should do. That was not ever stated. However... The Weekend Anchor said, and I, I, was, I was watching it live, and I backed it up on my DVR several times and wrote it down word for word. She said, President Trump suggested Americans ingest themselves with disinfectant to get rid of the coronavirus. President Trump suggested Americans ingest themselves. So in the same way that a hundred people would understand, I suggest you take out a pen I think 100% of the people who are listening to that statement will then believe that President Trump suggested that we do this not he asked if it was possible which is what he did in his clumsy way what do you think about this doctor is this I've heard that this uh, that people is it possible to ingest ourselves uh, you know and he might have been trying to say inject or ingest I I don't know. But at no point did he suggest we do it, which is exactly the language used by the CBS Nightly News Weekend anchor. That's number one. I'm getting to number two right now. Okay. Number two happened last night. Um, I watch a a national media 30-minute recap every weekday evening. And last night, they and I will use the word finally, but they ran a long segment. It was the longest segment of the newscast on the allegations against Joe Biden by one of his former staffers. And they they talked about it. They revealed what she had said. They talked about who she said she had told at the time. All the details that we would find interesting or worth weighing about Joe Biden's situation with, um, is it Tara Reid? Is that right? Yes. Tara Reid and what she had said and David Muir's reporting and he throws it to another reporter who gives us the details. And this other reporter, after several moments of talking about Joe Biden and Tara Reid, ends her segment before she throws it back to David Muir by saying Donald Trump also had rape allegations levied against him, which he denied. David, back to you. Now, <laughs> I, I admit I have a bias toward finding things liberal in the media, but there is not one part of that story that had to do with Donald Trump. And we can argue about that. That's arguable whether, well, you're going to talk about People making claims, then Trump... Well, yeah, he, people have made claims, but the whole part of the other segment was about Joe Biden and Tara Reid, and she ended it by saying that before she threw it to the desk. So I'm going to argue, and I think I can... And Your question is going to be, why do I think this? I understand. But I'm going to argue that there is plenty of evidence that people you and I would call mainstream media... So not Mother Jones, but ABC News. Um, Mainstream media has some sort of reason to continue promoting agendas of what I would call the left or or progressives. And it comes down not just to the stories they select, but to the way they report other stories as well. Why don't you respond to that since I've said so much?
0: Well, um, okay. What I want to be careful about here is, and and this is maybe what an, uh, the audience is doing is, I don't really want to argue the cases. I mean, I don't want to because I understand that you're trying to point to a pattern, not necessarily that. So, for example, I, I think there's something going on when Donald Trump talks about whether you know you can clean. Um, The respiratory system with disinfectant or with ultraviolet light. Or light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I saw that, I thought, this guy does not understand anything. It's not just politically not smart to (laughs) – you just be in – I mean, listen, I think part of the frustration that maybe even the media is having is they can't say, this guy doesn't know anything. And he stands up there and and pretends to yeah he pretends to give a book report on a book he never read, and it's you can't say that. And so what you have to do is you have to fact check, which is silly. It's silly because we're all dancing around the emperor who's wearing no clothes. He's not smart. He's not acting smart. I mean, he may be smart. I don't I don't know. But it's not smart to stand in a room and think out loud about what might uh, what you know what might work when nobody who understands anything would ever believe that those things would work. So it's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, justifying the, the, uh, the reporting because I think you're onto something and we can unpack that. But if the audience is hearing you say, listen, it may have been a good idea. may not have been a good idea. That's not what you're saying. (laughs) That was a bad idea. It's a bad idea to stand up in front of a group of people and suggest, um, uh, you know that if you're so bored, you can drink bleach. That's an old punk rock, punk rock reference. But if you know that that consuming disinfectant would be a bad idea. If I'm a media. Person, or if I'm a journalist, or if I'm interested in public health, I might like to speak against that in some form or fashion. But the um, the the line that you're reporting that you're, that you're describing there is not necessarily accurate because he did not suggest that people ingest the disinfectant. He suggested that maybe that's something that we might look into. Um,
1: right, and that's what the reporter should say is that he made and and he or she could even say um, he asked some. Questions that raised a lot of eyebrows and people thought in, in the room thought were bizarre. Well, that's true. Those questions were bizarre, but he did not suggest that we do it, which is what she said. Right,
0: right. No. And so, um, yeah, so that would be that would be that part. And, and, and again, I think the listener might be hearing your, your um, description of the Joe Biden story in referencing Trump's rape allegations, and say, well, but, you know, uh, what Trump is accused of is worse than what Joe Biden was doing. So, th- and that's not, um, you're, you're not equating necessarily the story about Joe Biden with allegations of rape. Um, but you're just noting that the story was not about Donald Trump, it was about Joe Biden, Right.
1: That's right. And since it was a story that was potentially damaging to a Democrat, there needed to be a statement. I inferred. This is me wondering why she did it. There needed to be a statement that reminded everyone that the current Republican commander in chief, president of the United States. Let's not forget that he had rape allegations, too. Back to you, David. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I think
0: I think you can infer an intention there. That that is uh, nefarious. I think you can also infer an intention that suggests that the uh, the journalist understands that this is not necessarily a report about Joe Biden, but about your your choice in the next election.
1: Well, yes, and and I think that uh, and I don't I don't think Scott, tell me this is true or not. Did you happen to see that last night? No, I didn't. Okay, I think that the. I'm going to use the term "average viewer." Maybe that's a myth. I think most viewers would agree with me <laughs> that that final statement was as tacked on as rust proofing to a new car. Well, it and you know what? You know what? It's true. That's the thing. She was not telling a lie. That's right. Yeah, I hear she that. She was telling something that was true. But that's where the subtext argument comes in. No, There was a subtext to her whole story, which is, and don't forget, as we look at a possible problem with a Democratic candidate, that the Republican candidate is an idiot too, or is a a bad actor as well, which was just not part of any other part of the
0: story. Right. No, I, and listen, um, so this came to my mind, in, in your defense, this came to my mind a couple of nights ago when um, the senator from Delaware, is it? who is a uh, uh also a, a surrogate for Joe Biden was being asked about the uh the allegations and he uh he responded to the questions but the journalist never asked the real question that was going on in my mind which was how is this different from Brett Kavanaugh <laughs> right because Chris Coons was in that judicial committee, and that was a big part of the conversation at the time, was let's take this allegation seriously, right? Or these Mm -hmm. allegations. Mm -hmm. Let's investigate them. And now he's saying, this has been investigated. There's no no there there. Well, how is this Mm -hmm. different? I mean, I think it probably is different, but let's talk about it, not just assume that it's Right. I mean, here you've got a person who needs to answer a deeper question rather than drilling into the deeper question of, you know, who said it? Is there any evidence? Um, there wasn't any evidence in the Brett Kavanaugh instance either. And by the way, I, I think Brett Kavanaugh should not have been put on the Supreme Court for the very accusations that he was experiencing. But having said that, why is it different? And somebody needs to talk about that. You can't just decide that it's different. So we don't, don't talk about it. Right. Yeah, so right, and I think you're on to something in both instances. I I want to before I before I um, punch you in the nose. I want the listener to hear that I think this is a a valid concern.
1: Well, and before you punch me in the nose too, I want to tell you uh, one final thing, and that is a conversation I had. I have a very good friend named Steve, very smart. Uh, very balanced, sees all sides. That's why I like talking to him so much. And he made a statement that I've been thinking about ever since he said it, because I'm trying to decide how I feel about it. And I would like your input too. When we were talking about the ABC News anchor who said Trump suggested we do this, he said, look, media will do what media does. The politicians should rise above. And that blew my mind because to me, it's just the opposite. Politicians are going to do what politicians are going to do, but the media should rise above. The media should say we will do anything it takes to not only not be biased, but not be perceived as biased, which is a lofty goal. But it's the other way around. So is it which way is the better way to think about that? And he really got me to thinking, and I'm still thinking about it, because yeah. I think politicians are going to do what they're going to do, and the media should try to be more balanced. Now you can punch me in the nose.
0: Well, I'm not going to necessarily punch you direct in the nose. I just think you're missing the third element of that. There's the, there's the, the reporter, the messenger. There is the object of the message. But there's also the audience. And I think that, that me, I think we keep cutting the audience too much slack.
1: No, that was going to be my answer to why it's happening. Oh, I have the audience over here ready to talk about the audience, but only because I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Okay,
0: good. Okay. Oh, so so uh, yeah. So I'll leave that alone then for a second. I I think that it is very easy to um, selectively see the bias. Um, in other words, to see the the. Uh, instances that um you believe warrant against your position and i think that's generally possible so for example i keep hearing stories that really aggravate me about one of the one of the things that frustrates me to death is the ways in which socialism gets talked about in the media um uh, and again, I'm not talking about just on Fox News. I'm talking about in the mainstream media that um, that word gets thrown in places that sometimes caricaturize it. Um, and so, I, listen, I don't think that, I think reporting is an equal opportunity offender, first of all. Second of all, I really want to point out that there are hermeneutics going on, not just um not just agendas, not just points of view, but that there are also those those drive interpretation. And so we're asking people to instead of show us a train wreck, describe a train wreck. That is an interpretive act. And you can be upset about the way that gets interpreted, but there's no way to do this where there is not a layer of interpretation. Sure, and I absolutely. think to smell a conspiracy in any interpretation misses the uh, the nature of interpretation itself. So when when you went us uh, go way back to your example of everybody take out a pen, there are a hundred ways to interpret the intent of the speaker in that instance. And if I'm going to report on it, I might say. That guy tells us what kind of instrument we're supposed to write with. I can also interpret that as this was some important information that that guy wanted us to hear. I can also interpret it as this person has a bias against pencils. There are all kinds of interpretation possibilities. And because there are so many possible interpretations, it is very easy to say, why didn't you interpret it this way, right? So uh, if if reporting facts is in and of itself an act of interpretation, um, then I think the rest of us can can understand that when we are listening to news, we are listening to interpretation. And this is why I think this is important, Cole. I get this kind. I see this kind of error happening a great deal. Not not that you're err in error, I think, uh, but I see this kind of error happening a great deal um uh, elsewhere for example folks who say well you know uh the bible says that i believe it that settles it well n- n- wait 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 there is a layer of interpretation that is ex- that that is happening and no matter what you say about it you're interpreting text right and there's no way to just do what the bible says because doing what the bible says means doing what you interpreted that the bible says um and so this happens in in a lot of different circles. I just last night I was uh, watching the news, which I don't do much anymore because. But I'm at somebody else's house and they have the news on, so I watch it. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a discussion about the um, a, a new uh, therapy therapeutic drug for the coronavirus and how in a U.S. study it. Um, it had They had significant findings, but then in the Chinese study of the same drug, they did not have significant findings, and so the jury is still out. Um, but, but the newscaster did not understand that significant findings, significance in a statistical sense, mm-hmm. is loaded by the number of participants. So when you have a larger N, you have a, a tendency to have um, – more likely have statistical statistically significant findings than if you have smaller ends, but that that accountancy of variance or effect size are not necessarily measured as um, in the same way and that and in those instances uh, sample size is not in, important to measure effect size or measure variant uh, representation of variance. Why am I saying that? I got to cut the newscaster a break, but I also have to understand that many in his audience don't actually understand any better the way that he interpreted the data that he was reporting. He can't interpret it. In that instance, he doesn't have a PhD and, and he doesn't have advanced courses in stats. So he's trying, I'm guessing he's doing his best to interpret and help us understand. It's just that he doesn't have the faculty to do it. I'm guessing he doesn't have the faculty to do it. And so I think that it is quite possible to look at any one of the instances you've described that I think are fair, fair criticisms, but I, I wonder whether it is super easy for us to interpret or to, to derive a motivation because we've decided the interpretation happens. It must be motivated by something.
1: Okay, I have responses. <clears throat> the first thing I'm going to do is punch you in the nose twice. <laughs> and then I'm going to talk about why. I'm going to answer that very last thing you said is is why, okay? Okay. And I'm going to bring audience into it at that point. Scott, the reason you cannot say when he asks us all to take out pens is because he has a bias against pencils in this visitor's meeting at a university. The reason reporter could not get that onto the newspaper page, is because there is an editor who says, no, that is not what that person meant. You are misinterpreting it because that is what a responsible editor does. And David Muir, just like Peter Jennings, for whom I had great respect, they are in charge of what gets placed in that 30-minute slot, which is really only like 16 minutes plus commercials. But... It it is inappropriate for a person to make an to deliver an interpretation that is too far outside the boundaries for us to call it an honest mistake of interpretation. It's absolutely true that language mediates meaning. I understand all of that for crying out loud. That's what rhetoric studies is based on. But the reason you can't say that the what stops someone from um, delivering an interpretation that's outside the boundaries. Is the editor in charge, editor in chief? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna not accept that it's merely well. There's a hundred different interpretations. So let's cut them a break. No, no, that I won't do that. And the, uh, the second punch in the nose is if you don't understand what a, st- a significant statistic is or what falls into those terms, then you shouldn't be reporting on, on studies that draw off of quantitative data.
0: Fair. That's right? very fair. You shouldn't be doing, yes, doing it. Very, very, okay. very fair.
1: <clears throat> and you know what? The reason that Fox News gets hammered by the fist of the United States and the world is because they are, in essence, the only ones. There, they started back in the day because they said there's not anyone to for a there's not one news channel for a person who is who leans conservative, to watch. And when they came on air and started having both hard news and opinion pieces, no one said, you know what? Reporters have different interpretations when they see things, and sometimes they don't understand studies, so let's just cut them a break. Instead, they said, if you, d- if I disagree with what you're saying, I'm going to assume that you got your information from Fox News because it's biased and I'm done talking to you. Right? Yeah. Can you at least give me that much? Yeah, oh yeah. People hammered it because they know what, they know it when they see it. And so let's talk about why. And this is where audience comes in. Um, And I'm going to go all the way back to Adam Smith, my friend. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Adam Smith, and believe it or not, I'm going to go to Adam Smith, not for the commerce part, but for the... um, the market of sentiment argument, which is people beyond anything else want to be loved and they want to be lovely. And so when the entire nation is in love with the first African-American president, news bureaus could not be dainty enough about any criticism they had to say about Obama. They could not dance around enough, nor could they... Report enough positive things about him because they want to appear to be in, they want to be in the good graces of the viewers. Look at us. We agree with you that he's the greatest president ever. And conversely, look at us. We agree with you that Trump is an idiot. So we'll say things that are factually not true in the one case, the first one I mentioned, because we can get away with it because we know most viewers agree with us. So not only are they, are they being loved, but they are appearing to be on the right side, which is lovely, which is exactly what Adam Smith said drives human behavior. And the other reason is the audience, which is <clears throat> my goal by having ABC News is not to deliver news. It is to make money. And I can charge, obs- well, not obscene, because that's a value statement. I can charge very high rates for commercial time, at a, for a newscast that people really, really watch, that lots and lots of people watch over and over uh, every night. And I achieve that by having by casting my news in a certain rhetorical way. And that is why I think media is uh, slanted in that way. Most media. Um, I'll also say, before I'm done, one more thing. I'll also say that to me, and... I, I don't know if, how most people will feel about this statement. I think um, one of the best pieces of media in terms of balance is the Wall Street Journal. Now, Cheryl may really not believe that, or she may really have criticism about that, as may Bobby, as may you. But I've seen a lot of what I consider to be even-toned reporting by the Wall Street Journal. And for that reason, I pay. It, it is behind a paywall. Uh, well, recently our university has included it in our benefits, so now I don't, I don't pay. But I did for years. I paid for the paywall to read it because it has a tone that I appreciate. And I would argue that I think what I'm seeing uh, are more and more people in this country who are ready to have news media that is less slanted in any direction or less overtly slanted in any direction. I think that's becoming something that people want, and I hope that will drive demand. So I will stop talking now and let you talk.
0: Well, okay, and I have a question, and this is not a trick question. This is a genuine question. Um, because, well, let me, let me tell you where I'm coming from when I ask this. There came a point where I had had enough of some people on Fox News, not the news folks, but some pundits, that— um, I began to say to myself, I'm going to make sure that I do not patronize the companies that advertise on this on this channel or that advertise on these shows. That's what I'm specifically looking for. Well, you know, My Pillow is an example of uh, somebody who I know he gets beat up a lot, and he seems like a really <laughs> sweet guy. <laughs> I'd probably yes. like to go to church Mike with Wendell. him. Mike Wendell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so these always on the list but you know my bank was on the list and I looked at my banking situation and asked myself I wonder if I can I wonder if I can find a different bank um because I don't want to support I don't want any of my my money going to somebody who supports this kind of stuff Here's the thing my bank also supports Rachel Maddow <laughs>
1: Can't get away from it.
0: No, and my point being, do you really think that there is a selection going on? I, I mean, in terms of I, – I understand we're talking about market of sentiments when you talk about being lovely. But in terms of market incentives when it comes to – um, I mean, what I got to at a certain point was this is crazy. I can't – I cannot mitigate media behavior by choosing – whom I'm going to um, uh, patronize? No, that's the wrong word. What
1: do business with? Yeah, whom
0: I'm going to do business with? I, I don't, I don't have any control because I take it away from. I take it away from, <laughs> from Sean Hannity. I'm taking it away from Rachel Maddow. Maybe I just take it away from everybody. But they're also, I mean, you know, they're everywhere. They're 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 supporting all of them. So what do you do? Uh, and I guess that's my question is. Is there really any levers to be pulled when it comes to um, uh, to the market incentives, from your point of view?
1: Well, that's why I was paying for and, and recommend that people pay for the Wall Street Journal because of that. I think, I think,
0: yeah, but you don't pay for every, Fox everyone. News. You pay you pay for Fox News by accepting their commercials.
1: Or don't people pay for it by paying for cable? Same with MSNBC. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's true, too. But again, you're not uniquely yeah. paying for – when you pay for Fox, not you're paying for MSNBC. Right.
1: That's right. Well, so you're asking me what I think the solution is?
0: Well, I'm asking – so I, I, I want to talk more about market of sentiments in a second and the being yeah. lovely part. But just mm-hmm. the um, – the, you, you mentioned selling of advertising. And that—that's one of the one of the things they're responding to, right? Are the that's
1: yes, that's right. That's that's why I was arguing. Um, people are willing to be overtly biased.
0: And my point is, when when Capital One is supporting both, how does that how does that play into to only supporting oh, well, one over the other?
1: No, I think Capital One says, look, this channel is uh, has won over leftist viewers by being overtly leftist. And Fox News has won over right voters by being overtly right. So we'll advertise with both of them. I think if there were a news channel, um, and people have argued some news channels are more middle of the road. But if they if there came a news channel whose overt goal was to not be biased... I wonder how much their advertising could draw versus the others. Maybe much less today than in 5 years, much maybe much less today than in 10 years. Maybe um maybe the United States is ready and would deem lovely a news channel that did not try to be biased, you know, it did not play to their emotions so much.
0: The uh so, and the other thing I wanted Note before we get to audience, the other thing I want to unpack with you is um, I have a different criticism of journalism media than I think you do, but it is a criticism. Okay. And my criticism is that media have made themselves the story, which is something Mm -hmm. that I understood back in the day was never supposed to happen. It was never supposed to be the story that Acosta got accosted by Donald Trump in the In the newsroom. I think that that adds a whole other layer of confusion to the way we understand what's happening with media and what media is reporting. I don't think the media is necessarily biased against conservatives as much as it is biased against Donald Trump. And that part of that is that they have made themselves a part of the story. It ends up being Donald Trump yelling about reporters in the room. And that is the story and he because he decided lately to carry the conservative name which i don't understand any of you conservatives embracing this guy but anyway because he decided lately he's a conservative all of a sudden that means the media is against conservatives when i don't think that's what it is i think the media is a part of the story and it's donald trump v media it's not conservatives v liberal it's donald trump v i mean it, and and i don't think i'm out of left field here i think part of part of the um uh Reaction you're having about the way that Obama was treated is that the Obama administration did not treat the um, media as the enemy directly. Although the, there were times where I felt like the media were uh, frustrated that they weren't getting access that they believed they were owed, and I heard those stories. But uh, but I really don't think that's what's happened. I don't think it's a left right thing right now. I think it is. Uh, And media is the enemy of the people or journalism is the enemy of the people and journalists defending themselves. And in fact, part of my argument way back in the beginning of this in the beginning of this thing was, I think we heard a defense of media. And I think that's what media has been doing.
1: Well, I don't disagree with you that um, Donald Trump has put the media into the story. Well, they shouldn't have taken the bait.
0: I'm 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 let me let me let me let me channel my inner Cole Bennett for a second. They shouldn't have taken the bait. If there is a if there is an a virtue center, if there is a moral standard or an ethical standard upon which journalism is supposed to stand, making themselves part of the story should be one of the things they fight against.
1: Okay, and I don't think <clears throat> I, I think the reason that they let that guard down is because they knew they would get away with it because most of the country, um, most of the media patrons, the viewers, agree with them that they don't like Donald Trump.
0: Okay, well, if any of them are listening to this, at least they need to hear Scott Self say, that's dumb and you should stop.
1: (laughs) Well, right. And I think... And that's why I,
0: why I, I don't subscribe to cable anymore because I'm not paying you guys any more money to make yourselves the story.
1: I I'm surprised to hear you say that you think this began with the Trump administration. No,
0: no, no. I don't think it began. I think it's just that the guardrails have fallen off. <laughs> this got crazy in the last three years. Um, that the media have and 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 I think he's I think he's a part of it, but. Um, you know, I heard you asking the question, who should be responsible? Should it be the politicians? should be responsible or the media should be responsible? When it comes to ma- deciding whether the media is the story, I think the media has given in to the temptation. I think they tried to fight it earlier on in his administration and not be a part of the story. Um, yeah,
1: I can, I can understand that.
0: But, I listen, uh, I, I think a big, a big focus, and this as a criticism of Fox News. My frustration is not that they report on facts that conservatives might be interested in; it's that they make themselves a part of the story in Donald Trump versus the media and how terrible CNN is, how terrible MSNBC is. They're just a bunch of, uh, uh, ter- and and the same thing. If you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, watching. Um, if you're watching MSNBC, I'm guarantee, I guarantee in every single pundit show, you're going to see some reference or some mention of Fox News. Why in the world are we talking about Fox News? Because you've made yourselves the story.
1: Right. No, I, I think that's a great criticism. Great criticism. I don't want the listeners to, to hear me agreeing, though, and maybe you're not saying this, that the left-right started with the Trump administration. No, 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 no. no. This. The story— putting themselves as the story started.
0: I and it may have been going on for some time and we may have, you know, there may have been places where they didn't where they kind of had to fight against that temptation and they failed. But I think that the guardrails just fell off over the last 3 years and they just decided to fight him. And fighting right. him is making is the story. Fighting right. him it, it those news conferences are a display of a how Uh, uninformed the president is and b how much the media is willing to expose that it's trump v journalism you
1: you don't get questions that merely ask for clarification no or that merely ask what the next step is it's it's pugilism how it's absolute pugilism and my friend you did not see that with obama no. Well, questions to Obama were like, would you say that you are mostly like Jesus or just over halfway like Jesus
0: yeah, but also you didn't get from the administration the punches either well they weren't direct there was
1: no re- there's no reason to punch when people are calling you the best thing that ever happened to the country, even though you're bankrupt
0: well I don't know if we want to I don't know if we want to i don't know if we want to have a conversation about who started it because i
1: well, you started.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I don't think that the media. I I I don't know. That's that's a that's an interesting conversation to be had. Whether the media treated Donald Trump as a clown at the beginning and he had justification, um, but that's a different that's a different conversation than the one that. Listen, I'm coming back to something you said earlier on, which is the media should. I can't remember what you said. The media should do, but you had a you you believed that the media yeah. should act upon a, a particular ethical stance right
1: politicians are going to do what politicians do the media should rise above
0: i don't think that i don't think it's yeah i don't think it's about left right i think it's about whether the media is willing to rise above being attacked or being vilified um or being denied access they have to rise above that and decide i mean if there if there is a value that's the one that i think that they have failed to exercise over the last three years I don't know if I hijacked the direction of this. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, listen, listen. Right now, I am pretty excited, as most listeners might gather, because Justin Amash has just filed to be a libertarian presidential candidate. Now, we could have, we should have guests and we might have a future podcast on that. But I am elated about that. And if tomorrow um, some news corporation came and gave me a press pass and said, I want you to be at every single Justin Amash press uh, conference, and I want you to ask questions, and I want you to be a journalist, even though you have no training. <laughs> I, I can't see myself, in, even in my elation, um, being uninterested in asking him questions that critically question some of his intentions and what he plans to do, and why he thinks something might cost less than I do. or you know, I mean, I can't see myself giving in to the joy that I might feel as a private citizen instead of a journalist. You know? And I, I expect other news agencies to do what I would do. I, and I hope that doesn't sound naive.
0: No, it does not sound naive at all. I just think... I'm going to come back to this is not left versus right. This is Trump versus journalism, or even Trump versus truth. But uh, journalism has made themselves a part of the story. Uh, but here, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you an example of what I mean. Since you mentioned Justin Amash, they interviewed him on MSNBC. It was a gentle interview. Do Recently? You, yes. Okay. Do you know why he gets a gentle interview? It's not because they don't take him um, I, seriously. It's not because that MSNBC likes libertarians, but they just, uh, you know, differently than they like. <laughs> it is because he is not Donald Trump.
1: Right.
0: This is not right versus left, because I'll, I'll, I think you and I can both agree Justin Amash is a true conservative. A tr- I'm
1: gonna use a different term. A true I'm going to say libertarian. Classical liberal. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: yeah. A classical liberal. Yes. Yeah.
1: Classical liberals are not conservative in yes. any way.
0: So if it's left versus right, why are they A willing to have him on? B why are they willing to have him a a gentle interview? I'll tell you why, because he voted that Donald Trump should be impeached.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and for the same reason that Fox News hired um one Williams.
0: Right. Right, right, right.
1: They want to say, "Look, we have someone who who doesn't toe the line."
0: Oh, sure. Well, maybe.
1: Look, we have someone who doesn't who doesn't. Yeah, I know. Joe Joe
0: Scarborough is supposed to fill that role in the morning. Yeah, in their morning Morning Joe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's another intention too. But I'm telling you that the. The media is not against Donald Trump because he's a conservative. The media did not give Obama a pass because he was uh, black. They didn't give him a pass because he was liberal. And if if your argument is the market of sentiments, this is the question I have. A majority – well, okay, never mind. 'Cause a majority didn't vote for Donald Trump and you're you're actually making the argument that since a majority did not vote for Donald Trump, the news is automatically following uh or generally following the majority.
1: I can't get past the fact that you just said the media did not treat Donald uh Barack Obama. I know, you gotta just let it go you
0: got let I'm letting it go on your on my side too. You gotta let it go. I'm just saying that I
1: can't believe you think that. <laughs> I just I can't. believe. I know because you, you think that because
0: we don't talk enough about Solyndra.
1: Solyndra and Castro <laughs> clunkers and all the I got a I've got a phone and a pen. The very criticism that got Donald Trump into trouble for executive orders. Barack Obama said it years before. I got to You're not listening. Pen. I'll do what I you're want. You're
0: not listening to me. It's not about executive orders. It's not about policy. It's about something else. And that something else is the thing that the media is reacting to. It's not about the policy. I don't think that MSNBC is fundamentally okay. Uh, is fundamentally interested in arguing left leftist okay. policy. I f- and I don't think Fox News is either. Because if Fox News was really about conservatives, they'd have dumped Donald Trump a long time ago.
1: Listen. Right and and right. And I'm saying they want advertisers and audience and and market share. And I agree, but Scott and I will ask our listeners to hold us both accountable to what I'm about to say. Okay. If we if just the day that Justin Amash becomes president, then let's watch MSNBC. Sure enough. Rachel Maddow. Sure enough.
0: Okay. Then we're back then we're back to something else. I just don't think we've been there. I'm going to make the let me let me put it out. Let me put it out there. I don't think we've been there. Since, since Bill Clinton was elected president, I think Bill Clinton made himself a victim of the media and became, hmm. a, and the media became a part of the story in ways that were different. It's not just because cable, it's because of the way in which Bill Clinton interacted with the, uh, with the media, his, his lies about Monica Lewinsky. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky, That stuff, um, the media made themselves a part of the story. They felt lied to and reacted in those ways. I think the same thing happened with George W. uh, in Iraq, with WMDs. The media felt lied to. The media felt duped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that they felt like the American people were duped, that they felt duped, and they made themselves a part of the story. And I think what happened is that the the Obama administration – for better or for worse, and I could I could argue for worse, but for better or for worse, uh, figured out how to not make, not give the media the chance to be the story. And then Donald Trump can't help himself. I don't really well, think it's left and right.
1: Well, since we're almost out of time, let's say something about what it means uh, to Christians listening to us yeah that's obviously, that's a, that's a
0: great question
1: obviously, a commitment to the truth matters. I think it's incumbent upon people like Bobby Ross who write for a a paper that has overt Christian ties um, to rise even farther above and to be more cognizant <clears throat> of how his journalistic articles. Will be received by the public. I think it raises the bar for him, and for you know, I can think of what the Christian Science Monitor. I don't know much about that publication, but for people who say no, 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 we have other reasons to be committed to truth that is less obviously skewed. What do you think?
0: I think you're. I think you're absolutely right um, that we have a, you know. Uh, we we tend to believe that there is a truth and you know we ultimately define that we ultimately define that in God as as the true and I think Bobby mentioned that uh, on his visit um and so I think you're absolutely right on I think the for me the idea of christian citizenship plays in um I think our conversation today is a is a perfect illustration of christian citizenship where we're able to try and instead of just saying saying something uncritically we're willing to kind of get in and talk about it and really think about it because it's not I don't think that it is there are simple explanations and I mm-hmm. and I will be honest at the very beginning my concern was that I don't want the listeners to hear that you just believe the media are a bunch of liberals <laughs> right. That right. there, is, there is an argument that happens out there that is not the one that you are occupying because we couldn't have talked about it for an hour <laughs> if you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I was standing in line at the post office uh, here in Tennessee, and there was a guy in line in front of me. I had my mask on, and everyone else was standing on the little lines, you know, we're supposed to st- social distance and all right. that. <laughs> right, right. This guy didn't have a mask on, and he's talking to everybody around in the line, you know, about how dumb everybody is wearing masks. (laughs) He says, this whole virus is just Nancy Pelosi and the socialism. And I thought, uh, well, that's unfortunate. It turns out, um, I don't know if he's a member of our faith tradition, but he is associated with our faith tradition. And I'm not going to tell how I know that because— might identify him, but it turns out uh, he thinks he's one of us. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I just want to grab him by the shoulders and shake him and say, "Mm, no, it's first, let's leave alone, whether it's Nancy Pelosi and socialism, let's talk about who you are here. Yeah. That you're willing to grasp for an easy answer that you're willing to just, you know, wave your hands and wag it and say, there's no big deal here, and I, and I know it because um, Nancy Pelosi is the devil, uh, or the media is the devil. Um, and, you know, when we talked about, Cole and I talked about this series of episodes a, a way back, and and I kind of, I I feel uh, justified in in making the joke, but when we were talking about what causes it, and I felt like you were hemming and hawing, and I said, what, is it the Jews, right? Is it because the Jews run the media? Well, there are people who believe that it's because the Jews run the media, and that's the simplest right. explanation that we can come up with. That's why it's liberal. <laughs> right. And so I think that the audience needs to hear your criticisms because, A, I think you're on to something, and B, I think um, it's much more comp- – for those of us who are members of The Way, it's much more complicated and we have to be measured – and, and generous to our neighbor and try to understand where our neighbor's coming from. I know we keep coming back to that, but that's a big part. I think a big part of some Christian citizenship.